Welcome back to another podcast, you guys. Today I'm back with Molly. Hello. Hello there. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're going to be talking about The Mandalorian Season 3, the first four episodes. Yay. Yay. Back in Mando mode. (laughs) I know. After a really long gap. It was like two years and a handful of months. (laughs) But anyway, I mean, we can just dive right in. This isn't really a new show or series for everyone. (laughs) With episode one, hopefully everyone watched the uh, Book of Boba Fett's last couple of episodes, or you'll be very confused because Grogu and Mando are back together. Yeah, I had to go back and show my girlfriend the last couple. (laughs) She's like, I'm not watching Boba Fett. (laughs) She missed out. (laughs) At some moments. (laughs) The opening of the season has a child almost being, like, baptized with a new helmet from the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Pedro Pascal as a kid, which I'm sure a lot of people thought at first. Yeah, that was my first thought, too, until, well, I mean, as we'll see, they later show up. And I was kind of disappointed, not gonna lie, because I was like, cool, more Din backstory. Right. Like, let's get it. And then it's like, nope. No, this is meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> Well, not meaningless, but not as uh, not as meaningful. Big as, yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> a giant monster randomly attacks the new kid on his first day as, <laughs> as a, a Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say at your first? What did you do at your first day of school? I got attacked by a giant monster. <laughs> Almost murdered. <laughs> but how how fitting is it for um, the Mandalorian to just start out their first like few episodes of each season? With a Mandalorian being attacked by some giant CGI monster. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then all the Mandalorians, like, struggle to fight this thing. But Mm -hmm. then Mando, our Mando, comes in with his N1 Starfighter and kills it immediately. Which is kind of an unnecessary CGI fest, but okay. (laughs) Good for him. Mm Mm-hmm. What a great way to start off a new season. Yeah. <laughs> he finds a uh, crystal from Mandalore. I think it was given to him by Jawas. And delivers it to the armorer as proof that the mines of Mandalore still exist. Mm-hmm. Or could possibly. We know, but... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Grogu in hyperspace was so cute. And I loved watching him look around and seeing Purgil. That was the moment for me that... Like, with Ahsoka coming up, and at least, like, for the majority of this episode, I was kind of like, I'm waiting for something to happen. And then and then this came in, and I was like, this is the win! (laughs) This is the moment we were waiting for. And so that was, like, it was just such a cool foreshadowing question, but probably just a foreshadowing. And I just think it's really cool. Like, I assume that Grogu and the Purgle have a really, like, somehow have a connection, Mm -hmm. and... Like, through the force. Through the force. And it made me think um, whenever we've seen people travel through hyperspace before, I'm like, so have the Purgle always been there and only like few can actually see them? Yeah. Like, I don't know. That was just something that I had realized. I'm like, had they really been there the whole time? But now it's like, now we see through Grogu's eyes for a moment where it's like, oh, plot twist. Mm-hmm. These big floating whale things. <laughs> It was definitely leading up to, like, Ahsoka finding Ezra at some point in the series. Whether it's in the season finale or... I don't know. I hope they don't wait that long, because I miss that little chaotic... 
guy. Guy. <laughs> I was say, like, chaotic bean, but I'm like, he's not a bean. <laughs> Mando and Grogu arrive in Navarro, which has changed extremely. I guess every season, Navarro just has huge major upgrades, making it <laughs> almost a different planet every single time. Grief Cogger really put everything he had into Navarro. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. And he's now the High Magistrate of Navarro. The only other High Magistrate we've seen was uh, Morgan Elspeth in Ahsoka's episode from uh, Season 2 of Mando. Mm. But we just found out that she's going to get a backstory in the Ahsoka series. Really? Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's necessary, but cool. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe... As long as they maybe, make it necessary. Maybe because in that episode or later on in that arc, she's like, where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? So it's, mm-hmm. as, I guess, assumed that the two of them have sort of a some sort of a history. So yeah. maybe in the, like goal to find Ezra and therefore Thrawn, it's like, okay, let's go back and see what Thrawn had been up to before the events, I guess, of Rebels or something like that. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's where that's going to come in. I'm sure there, it's going to be plot driven. Yeah. Dave Filoni's been working on Ahsoka since before uh, The Force Awakens was being developed, apparently. That's so wild. It <laughs> should be good. Yeah. <laughs> Some pirates arrive on Navarro, causing some trouble, since they want to go to a cantina, but it's a school now, and we saw Grogu go to this school last season. Tell me you're a Dave Filoni project without telling me you're a Dave Filoni project. <laughs> Essentially Western, it just in another font. Again! Pirates. <laughs> Mando and Grief Karga kill them all, except for one, named Vane, who of course becomes a problem later. Mm-hmm. Uh... Cara Dune was recruited by uh, Special Forces. This is mentioned very briefly because mm-hmm. uh, Gina Carano was fired from the show. Mm-hmm. And this probably would have been the plot line of their canceled series, Rangers of the New Republic, on Disney+. Plus. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, are, is that really a loss then? No. No. <laughs> the whole project got scrapped, though. Yeah. Mando says he needs a droid to help Grogu, or help watch Grogu while searching the mines of Mandalore. But for some reason, he's very insistent that it has to be IG-11, so they try to reincarnate him. Listen, childcare <laughs> is really difficult, and it's like, once you find the one that you trust and that you stick with, you want to stick with it. Mm-hmm. So it's like... If IG-11 has to be the nanny, then he'll, he's willing to pay for it. He's willing to put do, in the work for it. So be it. Let him do it. <laughs> I will do anything. Just bring him back to life. I will do anything to protect my child. <laughs> <laughs> and there was like a very little payoff for that IG-11 mm-hmm. stuff. By the end of the season, there was a little bit, but in this first episode, it made it feel like more like cheap fan service to bring him back. But then yeah. it like... I guess if they introduced it in the episode that they were going to use him, mm-hmm. it would have seemed a little better. Yeah. But for this, I was like, okay. Just like, okay, and? What's this season about? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's, yeah. It just felt like another plot point away from what... What the main story is actually supposed to be. Right. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> The pirate Vane attacks Mando when he leaves Navarro with some other pirates. It was a pretty cool chase scene with Mando appearing and disappearing in an instant. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved that whole 
that little bit. And I think it was just really funny once again seeing Mando just completely obliterate people. And I'm like, you, because you can go off, King. <laughs> go off, King. Exactly. <laughs> At the end of the sequence, we get Pirate King Gorian Shard and his oh. ship confronting him, but Mando jets off into hyperspace. Yeah. Also an unnecessary plot point. <laughs> yeah. He kind of reminded me of, I will not remember this character's name, but it was at the beginning of Clone Wars Season 7 when they were trying to get into, this is going to really test my knowledge. Yeah, I'm not good with it was. It was a mission that it was Rex and the Bad Batch and Anakin were on because they were, the Separatists were able to figure out all of uh, the Republic's like battle plans. And so Rex was like, oh, well, Echo and I came up with those plans. So they had to go to like some base behind Separatist lines and were trying to like figure out what algorithm was fixing or like coming up with that. Mm-hmm. Actually, maybe this was a little later on. Anyway, <laughs> there was at some point where Anakin like goes up and sees this just guy who was basically like a half spider, half like not. I don't even know what other creature it would have been. And it reminded you of Gorian Shard. Because it's just like the guy in the chair who's supposedly like the big guy and like you can't mess with him. And then he just gets like, I, I just kept waiting for someone to like strike him down like this entire time. I'm like, oh, because he's King Gorian Shard. Huh. Mm-hmm. Wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> I wonder if someone like, I don't know. I thought like Mando was going to like shoot through the ship and he was just going to get shot in his chair or something. Because right. Anakin ends up killing whoever the other guy is in his chair like with a lightsaber. And that's like one of his big things later on about being Darth Vader where it's just he didn't care what means he had to go through to get what he needed. It was just, all right, here's this thing in my way. Mm-hmm. Kill it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Long story short, that thing reminded me of <laughs> Deep take. Deep take. Mando and Grogu uh, then visit Bo-Katan in her castle, but she isn't as motivated as him to visit the mines of Mandalore. Yeah. The episode ends. <laughs> Yay! What a fun episode one! <laughs> Moving on to episode two, I like this one a lot better. Mm. It started on Tatooine during their Boonta Eve celebration. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Mando visits Peli Mato to try to find a memory circuit for IG-11, but Peli gives her a, or gives him, I'm sorry, <laughs> R5 instead. I love Grogu watching all the Boonta Eve fireworks as they fly off to Mandalore as well. That was really cute. <laughs> I wish they spent more time back on Tatooine. I was like, I was hoping that, I don't know, Peli was going to have another, like, inter- like full interaction with Grogu and Mando and have something else that was just a little quippy go on or have them stay to watch the fireworks. And there was like a cute little bonding moment or something, right. but it was like, no, they come in, he gets what he kind of needs. Not really. And then it's bye, but look at the fireworks. <laughs> and no Boba Fett. And no yeah, that too. I'm like, <laughs> you had a perfect opportunity for this to be a very full episode, especially going off of what happened in the book of Boba Fett. I'm like, that was all within yeah. like the same vicinity. I and thought so, we were like, going to get an update on Tatooine. Yeah, that's what I, that's that's what I was trying to get out of. Like, <laughs> the, I wanted them to have a longer visit mm-hmm. on Tatooine where they actually like did stuff on Tatooine for a bit, you know. Instead of just taking R5 and dipping. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
on their way to Mandalore, Mando teaches Grogu a little bit about navigation, which uh, comes in handy later. Yeah, but that that one little moment was just that was a so cute. that was a cherry on top of their <laughs> whole relationship. I loved it. It's like here, there's Bo Katan. That's where she lives. And here's how Mandalorians track the galaxy because I haven't claimed you quite as my son just yet. But <laughs> but we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> they arrive on Mandalore and use R5 to test the toxicity of the planet, but his signal gets lost, so Mando has to go in after him. Mm. And then uh, he fights some creatures and saves R5 in a cave. That scene, for some reason, reminded me of something out of, like, The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. Yes. Like, I think both because of the creature's design, but also the very obvious, oh, no, here's, like, this dark cave that we have to go into. The coloring was very much like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and so I just thought that was very funny. Also very reminiscent to season one when he has to go to, like, the Mudhorn and get the Mudhorn egg. Mm Mm-hmm. Same thing. Back in the cave. Back in the cave. (laughs) A giant crab droid captures Mando, so Grogu has to run off and get Bo-Katan to help save him. So that's when the navigation comes in handy immediately. (laughs) Did we ever see more of the crab? Like, what was that? (laughs) I don't know. It was a cool design, and I don't really know much about it, and we're just kind of left with that. All right. Which is fine. Checks out. Star Wars. (laughs) I love Grogu's little adventure to go find Bo-Katan. Mm-hmm. It was super cute and mm-hmm. his little independence. <laughs> he was so proud of his little self when he got back. <laughs> mm-hmm. And R5 flies the ship for him. So all he had to do was just point and say, I want to go there. <laughs> Bo-Katan at first, when she sees the ship arriving, she's like, I'm going to get rid of Mando once and for all but then realizes that it's just Grogu and decides to come help save Mando. But imagine if Mando was there. Would that have changed the whole season? (laughs) Yeah, and like I feel like there's so many ways that you could interpret I'm going to get rid of him once and for all. Like, do you just not want him to show up at your castle anymore? And they're going to basically put like a restraining order and be like, you cannot, like, I don't want you to come near me. Or (laughs) do you you really mean once and for all getting rid of you? Like, there's so many ways to take that. But I think it's interesting. Like, if it, I feel like either way, if it was either one of those options and then she just automatically went to go and save him but i guess it makes sense because he's on mandalore and he's looking for the minds which would help her own motivations yeah so yeah who knows she's like oh mandalore must be intact then <laughs> bo katan saves mando from the crab droid and they find their way to the actual mines mm-hmm. but mando goes into the waters of the mines and abruptly gets taken down into the water yeah, poor guy. Can't, <laughs> just can't catch a break. Ever. <laughs> Constantly just getting beat up, thrown around. <laughs> Taking care of everyone. Sometimes, occasionally, he'll be able to take down a whole, like, battalion or whoever, and with, like, no problem. But it's like karma. Then he has to get beaten around for a little while. <laughs> or um, nearly drowned. <laughs> Right. Yeah, he nearly drowns here, and Bo-Katan has to jump in after him. But she sees a mythosaur 
which are supposed to all be dead. <laughs> the line that just came through my head is, a mythosaur, he's supposed to be dead. <laughs> Someone great. edit that. <laughs> Emperor's new groove. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to episode three. Bo-Katan keeps that mythosaur secret. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be dead. <laughs> Mando and Grogu for her own self-interest. Mm -hmm. Probably. I think a part of her still wants to rule Mandalore. And this information gives her a little bit of an edge against Mando since he has the dark saber and she's kind of grasping for straws. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes sense. And given her own backstory oh, and yeah. history, like I, I don't blame her for it. I just think the whole series of events is just a very interesting and just a little bit of a funny, funny time. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> There's been this constant prophecy that a Mandalorian who rides the back of a mythosaur can reunite all the Mandos. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. Because <laughs> no, there's been nothing further. There's no further developments on that. It's just, it is what it is. Oh, I got there. Yeah. There's another space chase against some Imperial interceptors that end up destroying Bo-Katan's castle. That was a really interesting fight sequence. Yeah. That was really cool. But then we jump to Coruscant, where a majority of this episode takes place with the POV of uh, Dr. Pershing, which I... is an interesting mix-up. This might be an unpopular opinion. I loved this episode. Me too. I was At first, I was a little bitter that like it wasn't another story with Din and Grogu, but at the same time, like they did that in the Book of Boba Fett anyway. Mm -hmm. But this was actually, because we haven't seen... As far as I know, the New Republic in live action and what that Coruscant looks like. I thought it was funny because I was, as we were going through this episode, I was trying to remember where in the timeline of Star Wars this was. Because I'm like, the only other time that we've seen Coruscant is to the fall of the Republic. And then when it's kind of in the Empire's hands. Right, with Andor. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And so I was like, this is a whole new Coruscant to see. And it was just very interesting with uh, what they call it. The I just remember them having A's on their jackets. The amnesty program. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie's really coming up and covering up for all of my like spaciness during this episode. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> but yeah, the amnesty program, like that was very interesting to see how they, because it's again, like I feel like I never thought of that in terms of with how the timeline goes. Yeah. How do, how does the new Republic deal with having Imperials maybe still like, around and in their society and you know that was a very interesting kind of a plot detail that they added in there i thought it was a really good episode i enjoyed it a lot mm -hmm. although what did it have to do with the plot of the season once again <laughs> don't think about it too hard <laughs> hopefully there's some kind of payoff for this in the end but i was like okay I mean, I love Andor, but yeah. I thought this was the Mandalorian. <laughs> and I thought that they were, I mean, we'll get into this probably in the next episode with like the last four episodes, but I know that they had, they like brought back the character who's with Dr. Pershing. Again, I cannot remember her name, but uh, the one who's like undercover. Elias. Elias? Elias Kane. Elias Kane, right. Yes. I I loved her, honestly. Like, I knew that she was there to stir up mischief and she was there for all the wrong reasons, but I'm like, I don't care. I <laughs> like your character. What more do you have to give? That's what I'm wondering. And so I felt like I, I figured there was going to be some sort of payoff with her, 
Yeah. But we'll see, see we'll see where that gets us in the next episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you notice she was in Ant-Man? Yes. Okay. I yeah. did know that. Yeah. That's all I have on that. <laughs> Don't want to talk about that movie. <laughs> Dr. Pershing holds his wounded ear every now and then throughout the episode, which is a nod to when Cara Dune uh, shot someone who threatened to kill him in the season two finale. Hmm. Yeah. I did not pick that up. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love the ignorance of the citizens living in Coruscant. Mm. They really don't care who's in charge, whether it's the Imperials or the New Republic, as long as they're still rich at the end of the day. Yeah, which I, again, drawing in the connections to Andor, there were some lines about that, I think, still where Mon Mothma was leaving, like, the opera house or something, and, like, people were talking with her outside of it, and they were, like, pretty much the notion that you just gave, that they didn't care that the Empire was in charge because they were still able to live in luxury, and that was fine for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting that that just is a consistent a consistency among like Coruscant. Right, it's mm-hmm. sad to see that mindset. Yeah, Imperials. Oh wait, we talked about the amnesty program basically, yeah. but we see another character, Elias Kane, who was a part of Moff Gideon's squad as well, and Doctor yeah. Pershing kind of tweaks. <laughs> <laughs> They reminisce about the Imperials and their good memories, which Mm -hmm. is strange because the Imperials are awful, Mm -hmm. including Dr. Pershing talking about his favorite biscuits. And then the biscuits randomly show up outside his door one night. (gasps) And you can probably guess who did that. (laughs) Not that big of a... (laughs) This isn't an Agatha Christie novel here. It's pretty easy to figure out. Agatha Christie couldn't write this because she She thinks a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) She she would have things to say. Dr. Pershing wants to study clones again because he thinks he can. He thinks he can, he thinks he can use it for good <laughs> for the New Republic. But this is definitely the first step of a long road to Palpatine coming back. Somehow, Palpatine has returned. Just big sigh. <laughs> I love ball. saying that line, though. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad, but, like, I think... Because Oscar Isaac is a brilliant man, he knew how ridiculous that was. You and could so tell he, in like, his face when he says it. He could tell, and so he <laughs> was just like, I'm going to make this line delivery so ridiculous. <laughs> Star Wars fans say this forever. Yep. <laughs> the New Republic is very against him studying clones again, but the lady from Moff Gideon's squad, Elias Kane, convinces him to disobey the orders to find more research for him. Mm-hmm. Which I also find it very interesting just with Perching's character because I at least think he genuinely wants to just help and he's genuinely just interested in his research, but he unfortunately got pulled into the Empire. And so it's like no matter where he goes now, it's just, well, your research is going to be used for something bad. And he's like, I really just want to learn about it. And so he's, he's really like... I don't know. He's, he's a very sweet character, but it's really unfortunate just with how he ends up in situ in these situations. And it's almost like, I mean, Elias does it well, where she uses his interest and his passion for it against him. And is just like, well, here, get a little kit or whatever. And right. let's go to, you know, an abandoned Imperial ship. There might be some stuff there for you. It might be nice. 
Hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's easily manipulated, which is the problem. Yeah. Which is probably why the New Republic agrees to Elias Kane, like, watching him mm. manipulated him. Yeah. Just to see if he would actually support the New Republic in the future. Yeah. I don't know. But they jump from train car to train car trying to find this scrapyard where there's an old Imperial ship. Mm -hmm. uh, they end up jumping off the train to get there. But we find out that Elias, of course, is she has ulterior motives and mm -hmm. she's working with the New Republic to see if Dr. Pershing would disobey them. And uh, she probably also has motives with the Empire, but we have yet to talk about that. <laughs> and I think that was the brilliance of her character was there were times where I was questioning, like, okay, are you still, are you with the New Republic? Because I could see how this this gig could work out for you. But with her kind of like backstabbing Pershing, it was like, I could, I could never figure out which side she was actually on mm -hmm. until a little bit later in the show. But I mean, like, hands down to her <laughs> actress, because like, that's a way that you make a triple crossing character. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> like she did it so well. Yeah. So she, hooks up Dr. Pershing to a mind flare, which has Stranger been... Things. Yes. <laughs> In no relation to Stranger Things. But yes, the mind flare. Uh, but this has been mentioned in the show a few times. People are frightened of it, and Elias cranks the intensity up to the max so that he isn't a problem for the Empire. I think she just wants him to see the weaknesses of the New Republic and just find, like reasons to disobey them so like mm. if the new republic is harming him on purpose then why would he oh that's interesting yeah i feel like i had kind of read that scene as because he knows too much and could maybe figure out that she isn't fully with the new republic and could potentially like ruin whatever she and moff gideon were planning she cranked it up so that he wouldn't remember yeah. her like whatever they did or something like that to almost like wipe his memory almost mm -hmm. and i don't know if that's something that you can i mean we've obviously seen it with a jedi mind trick yeah. but i didn't know if that's like you know a very scientific -y thing if the mind flare could do that then she definitely wiped his memory but yeah because that thinking, was an intense yeah. intense ride that he got put through <laughs> yeah poor guy yeah at the end of the episode mando takes bo katan to their mandalorian hideout and they're both accepted in since they cleanse themselves <laughs> in the living waters and she hasn't taken her helmet off since so it just kind of works out yeah although they could have just been like yeah she didn't Take her helmet off. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> but moving on to the last episode we're going to talk about today, uh, episode four, titled The Foundling. It's interestingly directed by Carl Weathers, who plays Grief Karga in the show, mm -hmm. and he's not in this episode <laughs> at all. Which, I mean, like, good for him, because I feel like, at least from what I've seen about directing and acting, it can be very difficult to direct something that you are also acting in. So mm -hmm. I feel like I can't remember when which episode he directed in the second season. I think was he was the one in with it. Him in it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's why I maybe this was yeah maybe this was like a good break for him just to yeah. be like let me focus only <laughs> on 
b- the behind the scenes stuff and setting everything up. But I don't know. Carl Weathers, weigh in. <laughs> you know, he plays Apollo Creed in Rocky. Really? Yeah. <laughs> huh. That's good for him. Who he fights in the first one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We see a little bit of Mandalorian training with the new kid from the first episode going against Grogu in a little practice trial. Grogu wins, and it makes the audience feel like a little proud parent as well. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. <laughs> I just thought it was I thought it was so funny when he was just like Grogu very obviously just wanted no part in anything. And I found it equally funny that all the Mandalorians were like, well, he can't speak, so he can't fight. And then Din's just like, no, 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 go ahead, Grogu. Like, almost like, I don't know, they gave the vibes of the parent trying to like push the kid out to like their first day of school or something. And I'm like, there has never been a more... I feel like realistic moment between like a parent and a child in Star Wars <laughs> than this moment right here. It was cute. It was. <laughs> a random dragon attacks the Mandalorians and takes the new kid, which makes me question whether, why are they in such a terrible spot in the first place? <laughs> why didn't they think about moving before? It's <laughs> a really good point. I mean, you've got... thing attacked every time we see them. Every time they're out of their little cave, it's like you would start to question. <laughs> they should have measures for this. Yeah. When the armorer makes him uh, armor for Grogu, mm-hmm. we get another flashback to Order 66 because every show needs a flashback to Order 66. Because Dave Filoni loves to torture us. <laughs> for some reason. We finally, well... I guess, quote, unquote, finally see what happened to him during the infamous incident. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be surprised if there's more information. (laughs) Yeah, probably. The actor who played Jar Jar Binks. Ahmed Best. Yes. He appears as the Jedi who saved Grogu, which was such an incredible redemption idea for this actor. He's received so much hate online for his role in the prequels. But here as Kelleran Beck... He is basically redeemed online. It was so cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was interesting because, honestly, at first when I saw it, I didn't realize that that was Ahmed Best. Yeah, and neither. I didn't make the connection <laughs> until I was seeing people talk about it on Twitter. And it was just like the way that they presented him. And I was like, okay, do I know that? I was right. really wondering. I was like, do I know him? Like, he need, he should have been in something, I think think like he just seems like he he has that presence of just relevance and importance just as the character of Keller and Beck and so I I really hope that I mean I think they kind of left his ending a little bit ambiguous like yeah. they didn't show anything definitive but I'm like bring him back because sure we'll be find, seeing more of it find some way to bring him back because that was really cool that was awesome yeah I also love if I remember correctly that the ship that was waiting like at the port so to speak to take Grogu away was another ship from Naboo mm-hmm. it was like the same design so like shout out to Naboo oh, it's still coming in clutch <laughs> with all the starfighters and whatnot yes. Mm-hmm. and Beck was actually one of the hosts of like the Kid Jedi game show or something on yeah. Disney Plus, and mm. that was like all he's been in before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm glad it was and Beck and not like a huge major Jedi role that we've seen before. We didn't mm-hmm. need a Luke Skywalker moment. This was great for Ahmed Best. Yeah, absolutely. And we finished the flashback with Grogu going into hyperspace, seemingly for the first time. 
as the first episode foreshadowed, mm-hmm. but we thought it was talking about Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think with the Purgle showing, that was definitely a little Ezra nod. Right, for yeah. Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. We thought it was going to happen in this show. Yeah. <laughs> We find out that the new kid is actually Paz Vizsla's son, which wasn't really that crazy of a reveal. And felt like the whole reason that this dragon thing happened was for Paz to just side with Mando and Bo-Katan potentially later on. Yeah, I feel like that was... That's kind of been my feeling with a lot of the little episodes in, um, or just the little moments throughout The Mandalorian where it's kind of like, okay, there was a point somewhere in there do we really know what it is or like why? And yeah, I did think that that whole sequence was a little bit interesting. And I feel like just based on the coloring of the helmet that the kid got, people were like, so is he related to Paz in any way? Is it kind of like a Mando Grogu situation where it's mm-hmm. not actually his son, but he's just kind of taken him under his wing. And so it's really interesting. So I think their dynamic was a little bit interesting just to see how that would all play out. Yeah. Overall, so far, with those first four episodes, I was kind of feeling in the middle with this season. Season two had me very excited every week. Yeah. Like, I needed to watch it immediately. Yeah. And I forget, like, which episodes exactly happened in which order, but I feel like there was so much ramping up to stuff. and We just didn't know where this was going. Yeah. Because, like, we obviously knew it had to do with mandalore and getting back there but there just felt like there were so many other things that kept coming in but like the dr pershing episode was like i really loved that yeah it was really well done honestly may have been my favorite episode of this season that's a hot take that is a hot take i know (laughs) but i might i might change my opinion when we go through the last four episodes we'll see mine's the penultimate of the season episode Mm. seven I like that one the best. Yeah, okay. (laughs) But do you have anything else you wanted to talk about with those first four episodes? I don't think so. Okay. I think I'm all talked out. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have an outro you want to say or anything? Tune in next time for more Mando mode. (laughs) Mando will return. (laughs) Mando will return. (laughs) Be nice to each other out there.